think um, afternoon, I think after so much pandemic, <laughs> we're ready to be together with other people while ironically closing our eyes and being silent. <laughs> Somebody who's here last week asked me about the short chant that we do in the beginning of right before we sit down. Everything we do here is completely voluntary. We, you know, we have some ritual, we start with um, some bowing, a little bit of chanting, lighting incense. Um, and you are more than welcome to just sit in meditation and observe and enjoy it. Um, you don't have to follow along with the crowd. <clears throat> and you're more than welcome to. But someone who was here last week, and I, I think that maybe she hadn't been here before, she was wondering about the, the short chant that we do in the beginning. So I thought I would actually say what page it's on and explain it a little bit before we get started. Uh, so on page 128, there is uh, a transcription of, well, there's more than, than what we do, but there's a transcription of what we say in the beginning or what I say in the beginning after I've lit the incense and it's uh budam saranam gachami dhammam saranam gachami sangam saranam gachami and that's pali which is um the ancient scriptural language of the buddhist teachings and then we go on to say it a second time and a third time and that's our ritual for beginning uh, each meditation here at the med at, at PFA together, and uh, what it what we're saying is to the Buddha I go for refuge, to the Dhamma I go for refuge, to the Sangha I go for refuge, and that's an opportunity for me, especially as a person up here, to set everything else aside. Um, what I brought here with me, how my morning went, how the year's been going, you know, <clears throat> childhood memories, and uh, just focus my heart around uh, what we're doing here today, which is practicing the possibility of being completely awake in the moment together. So. That's what the Buddha is known for, with uh, achieving a complete awakening uh, to reality and to how things are in the present moment. Um, the Dhamma is uh, the path by which he did that. And uh, the Sangha is a community of sincere practitioners that he practiced with and that are still practicing today. So when I bow, uh, I used to be so unmindful that I would have to count one, two, three, or else I'd do a couple or four bows or lose count, just keep bowing. <laughs> and now I bow uh, with my heart reflecting on the Buddha's potential and how he 
awakened to the way things are, the Dhamma, how it works for me in my heart, and the Sangha, a gratitude for the community. The other day, I told my son I was going to his uh, honor roll celebration at school. It's the first one I've had in person in a, in a couple of years and the first one he's been involved in. <clears throat> he said, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> no mom jeans, no yoga pants, <laughs> no scarf. <laughs> Also, don't run around trying to figure out who my friends are. <laughs> Which, you know, makes the rebel in me want to get right up on the stage in the cafetorium and start <laughs> singing. So I behaved more or less. <laughs> you know, some of you know me. <laughs> more or less is about as far as I get. Like when my kids were younger, I would look at uh, parents who had kids a little bit ahead of me, you know, three, couple, three, four years ahead of me, and think, well, they're still standing. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I was really tired and exhausted. <clears throat> and um, today my kids are, are 10 and 12. And I'm still standing and still sitting, even. My son is, um, you know, has some access to social media. So that's where we're at. Preteen social media access. And uh, I saw that he liked something the other day on Instagram. That was uh, totally inappropriate. I shouldn't have, the picture should have been taken and it shouldn't have been posted. And I really wish that it, my uh, kiddo's name wasn't under it. <clears throat> and I, and I know that he didn't, you know, we use this term like, right? But it's an acknowledgement in, in whatever way. So I acknowledge that this is here, or I acknowledge that a friend put it up. I acknowledge my friend's efforts <laughs> and existence. I acknowledge that I'm uh, paying attention. I acknowledge that I'm in this group. <clears throat> I acknowledge that this sentiment is appropriate, whatever. And so we had a conversation about it. And I said, you know, I wish your name wasn't on this, attached to it, even as an acknowledgement. And more than that, I wish that When you saw something like this, your first thought would be, oh, this is wrong. <laughs> oh, this is wrong. <laughs> I 
But then later I <clears throat> realized that that wasn't even the bottom line for me, that I, that I wanted him to see this thing and immediately think this is wrong. And I, I told it, you know, my lectures can go on over a few days. <laughs> I think of something new to add <laughs> and jump right back in. <laughs> so a few hours later, you know, we were driving and I said, um, I have a little bit more of that lecture. <laughs> A bit more life advice, and you know, and, and what I said was that um, we have to make good decisions about where we put our attention because at that age, ten to twelve, preteen, things really make an impression and leave an impression. Things that we see, things that we hear, even things that we smell things that we touch, uh, things that we engage with, uh, with, with our, using our senses, can leave a lifelong impression, especially at that age. I still remember seeing things or hearing things around that age that um, stick with me even today, especially if they're disturbing or unpleasant. And I said, <clears throat> I said, it can be really heavy to carry images and sounds and experiences around for the rest of your life. And, you know, I, I don't want that for you if you can avoid some of it. Yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <clears throat> and, you know, what I didn't say, but I do a lot, but what I didn't say was, you know, the Buddha said... <laughs> Buddha taught me uh, to guard to guard your sense doors. That comes that advice. It comes straight out of the Buddha's teachings. Uh, sorry, sorry, Puja, one of the Buddha's disciples, was talking to a group, and uh, one of the monks said, "You know, I one of my bunk mates. You know, my." Uh, one of my fellow monks, Justice Rowe, just left the holy life. I'm not sure why. And Sariputta said, well, you know, to stick it out, to stay in this life, to do this practice, to be invested, uh, you have to guard your sense doors. You have to watch what you take in through the eyes, through the nose, through the ears through the mouth, through the body, through touch. Uh, because when we get engaged with something that we like, you know, we automatically run toward it. Uh, I think the term covetousness, you know, we kind of want it. It's very natural for the mind to see something that it likes and then want it, you know, a bigger house, a better friendship, more, of course, social media, more likes, more fame, more acceptance. And when we see, you know, something we don't like, it can bring up a strong sense of uh, aversion or disgust, discomfort, uh, and we start pushing it away and engaging in this way without sort of guarding what comes in, what we, uh, what we invite in can 
find us moving through the world like a ping pong ball. I want this, I don't want this, I want this, I don't want this, I want this. And when we're engaged in this practice, uh, we're learning how to be in the center of reality, you know? not moving toward and not pushing against. And that's when the mind calms down, that's when the heart calms down. I was telling, uh, I was telling my my husband about it later. He knew us, you know, us knew this topic was up, and and then uh, last night I said, well, you know what? I really want for him is to is to not have to see so many difficult things or disturbing things <clears throat> because it's it's heavy. And Todd said, uh, he said, yeah, when I was about his age, I was supposed to be in bed. <laughs> That's how every story starts. So when I was supposed to be in bed and I went downstairs and my dad was watching the werewolf in London. Is that what it's called? Okay. <laughs> so I see some like, nods. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Werewolf in London or werewolf from London or something? Horror movie. It's like American werewolf in London. Is that it? I think like, so. Yeah. No, I don't watch anything like that ever since I was little. <laughs> I've been guarding the sun stores <laughs> since I was little. And, uh, and his dad said, listen, we're watching something that's for, it's for adults. So you either need to go to bed or you're just going to have to sit here and watch this with us, but you probably won't like it. And uh, as 10, 11, 12 year olds do, he said, oh, I can handle it. I'm good. You know, I'm going to stay up with the adults and watch this and, and he said, I couldn't sleep there for weeks. <laughs> After that, he was, you know, going to his dad, dad's on the weekends. And um, his dad lived, you know, in this in the country with this big field all around the house where, of course, werewolves could, you know, run up any moment. <laughs> and he said, to this day, like, I regret watching that movie and how it kept me up for weeks afterwards. And I could still see scenes from it in my mind. Uh, he goes, I know exactly what you mean. He said, but I, I didn't know better. I said, nobody knows better when they're 11. You know, you just think you can kind of tough it out and then it's going to fade away. Uh, and some things we can avoid, you know, especially in work, at work or when we're young with family, we unfortunately get to see things that we had no choice over and stick with us our whole lives. That's bad enough, you know? So when, when we have the opportunity to, to guard our own sense doors, it makes a lot of sense to do that. <clears throat> the sun. this sutta. Uh-oh, I didn't bring my glasses so I might not get to it. And don't anybody offer me their glasses. I'm not that old yet that I'm sharing glasses with other people. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, I totally am. You know, the Buddha, <laughs> the Buddha says, um, I'm sorry, uh, uh, sorry, Pudja says, 
So it is friend when one does not guard the sense doors, guard the doors of the sense faculties, and is immoderate in eating, and is not devoted to wakefulness. This is what happens. Sadabiku, who does not guard the doors of the sense faculties, who is a moderate meeting and who is not devoted to wakefulness, will maintain uh, <clears throat> all his life a complete and pure holy life. This is impossible. But friend, that a bhikkhu who guards the doors and the sense faculties, who is moderate in eating and who is devoted to wakefulness, will maintain all his life a complete and pure holy life. This is possible. The Buddha, um, this is a side note, but the, the Buddha's answer to a lot of things was, watch what you eat. <laughs> watch what you eat. Watch when you eat. You know, don't eat too late in the day. Don't eat too much. Uh, just eat to maintain healthfulness, nutrition, energy. Um, the maintenance of the body for ending discomfort for ending discomfort, persisting the holy life, <clears throat> and then being devoted to wakefulness. Here during the day, while walking back and forth and sitting, a bhikkhu purifies his mind of obstructive states. Ajahn Jeff, one of the teachers uh, kind of connected to our lineage, he talks about he uses that term. It's, it's really appropriate to this, to this reading. He uses the term, uh, what are you feeding on? He says, what are you feeding on? Right? But he's talking about the mind. He's talking about the sense doors. He's talking about um, what's nourishing our hearts, what's nourishing us mentally. And I think it's a, it's a fair, it's a good, it's a, quite a beautiful and perfect analogy. What are we, what are we feeding on? Um, so that's a question that helps us get to the heart of what it means to guard the sense doors. You know, when we get out of bed in the morning, what do we start feeding on right away? You know, a lot of us pick up our phones right away. A lot of us. Uh, yeah, pick up our phones and then go have a nice big cup of coffee. <laughs> That's one way to start, you know. Well, what are we feeding on? Are we feeding on information and stimulation? Is there another way to start? Can we feed on solitude and mindfulness, watchfulness? What are we feeding on? And it's it's a it's a good question. And it's also, you know, it's a kind and curious way to approach it. You know, if every time I did something that wasn't you know, sort of purely wakeful and watchful, and I stop that. That's not purely wakeful and watchful. Stop it. <laughs> Why are you doing that again? What's wrong with you? You shouldn't have these habits anymore. I think I would get really sick of myself. But we can rephrase these 
admonitions in the form of a question. What am I feeding on? What am I feeding on? Then there's just an answer, isn't there? Then there's just reality arises. <laughs> what am I feeding on? Uh, and then once we ask that question, when we form it as a question and the answer arises, then that's where the investigation begins. You know, Oh, and what are the results of that? And what are the results of that? What am I feeding on? Here's the answer. What are the results of that? So in that way, we stay mindful. We stay connected to reality. We stay curious. And then if we choose, Choose to, we can act on what we're learning. We can act on the results and make a shift as needed, as wanted. So, you know, so what the whole of this path is based on uh, karma, you know, and in this tradition, how we define karma, how the Buddha defined karma, karma vipaka, is actions that have intentions. So there's some intention behind the action that we take and then the results of that, right? And so essentially what that comes down to is a series of habits. So I intend to uh, find out what's happening, you know, on some social media or on my, in my email or something first thing. Um, and I do that. And then that, that's the course for where my mind goes right away, doesn't it? And so, you know, I, I had an intention, I took an action. Um, the results are that my mind is headed in some direction or another. And I see that. And then I can decide from there, is that where I want my mind to head? You know, it's almost like one, what are those charts called? If yes, you know, go this direction. If no, go this direction. Uh, so if yes, then keep doing it, right? So I pick it up. Maybe I'm on the social media of BuddhismInGoodPeople.com. And, you know, I get up and I look at, you know, I have a really good experience every morning. It sets my mind right, actually, to pick up my phone and look at it. Phone, you can do anything with phone right? That's a yes. Keep doing it. Actually, it wakes me up. It brightens my day. It brightens my mind. It sets me on the right path. I'm going to keep doing it. And if I pick it up and I'm instantly engaged to say I'm work and it sort of oh, it doesn't feel really good and I get stressed even before my first cup of coffee and I haven't had breakfast yet and I haven't been, you know, with my kids yet and I'm already bringing kind of this uh, mood from yesterday into my day, uh, then the chart is no, you know, I don't want to feed on that right away in the morning. And so what we can do instead of judging it is recognize that, you know, what we did yesterday 
is uh, a result of our past habits and conditioning, right? And then what we do tomorrow is a result of the choice that we make based on seeing the results of the choice that we made yesterday. So that's how we keep from judging ourselves because judging ourselves is not gonna actually change the habit or getting upset or, you know, beating ourselves up. What's gonna change the habit is having a new intention that leads to a new action that leads to new results. And then for me, what the really important thing is after that is to watch the results of the new action. Okay, well, I, you know, I got up and instead of this, I had a cup of tea and sat with my kids until it was time for them to go to school. What were the results of that? You know, felt, felt pretty good to have a real connection first. Now, you know, it's not that black and white. Sometimes I was so with my kids before they go to school and they just started me crazy and I wish I was on my phone. <laughs> you know, we can recognize that even our good intentions and our good choices can lead to what feels like an unpleasant situation. That's like eating our vegetables, isn't it? You know, we can, we can try to take the long view. Oh, well, what if I did this two or three or four more times? I get more practice, you know, sitting in chaos, recognizing that it's a good thing for my family, you know? Or what if I found a way to connect? So we just, we keep investigating, having fun, being curious, looking at the results and letting, um, this is another thing that's key for me is letting time pass a little bit, you know, well, don't do it once. That's not a habit, you know? Do it maybe six times or eight times or three months worth, you know, kind of commit to some period of time when you try something that then you really get to see the results. <clears throat> like everything is fun the first time. <laughs> but three months later, <laughs> maybe time to readjust. Um, I like to have fun with it. It's like with our meditation, um, you know, when we discover that we've wandered off in our minds, that discovery is being awake. I'm awake. Not, hey, I wandered off again. Because as soon as we notice that we've wandered off, that's the moment of being awake. So if we turn the mind toward the beauty of being awake, and away from the frustration of wandering mind, then we're building that habit to become awake again and again and again because it's so enjoyable. And you really only want cake again after you've tried it once. You know? If something's enjoyable, if we make it enjoyable, we'll move toward it again. It's what we make enjoyable. That's important.